Well, good morning. I want to say thank you, uh, not only to the church here for having us this weekend, thank you, Brother Tim, Sister Tracy, for allowing us to stay in their home. Appreciate the hospitality and the love and your family. And uh, just uh, had such a wonderful time yesterday. And, you know, after, after the, several of the messages yesterday, again, you know, mine get, my mind gets to wondering, and I'm very thankful that the Lord has drastically changed my mind, uh, what I had planned. So, y'all, I do beg an interest in your prayers this morning. Uh, I really appreciated the thoughts that Brother Shannon and Brother Charles brought out yesterday, especially, you know, Brother Shannon talking about the race that we have to run. And I was glad, I was so thankful that he brought it out that, it, you know, it's a race that he's racing against himself. And your race is right, you're racing against yourself. And you have to, you have to run that. I can't run that race for you and... You can't run the race each other for, for one another. Uh, it's your race. And, uh, and, th- and pairing that with the patience that we, uh, that we need, uh, I kind of latched hold of the verse that we find in Hebrew, I mean, not Hebrews and Romans chapter 5. Brother Charles mentioned this yesterday where he exp- expressed that it says in verse 3 of uh, Romans 5, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience, experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Uh, Brother Charles mentioned yesterday that uh, if you haven't, I would encourage you to, uh, to be like the servant of, uh, I believe it was Elisha, but where he prayed that his eyes would be opened. You know, the Lord, Proverbs records for us that the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made even both of these. And I would encourage you to use your spiritual eyes uh, more and more each day. Try to use your spiritual eyes. Uh, use your spiritual ears. Take heed to, you know, the Lord would, would come and tell us, you know, he that hath an ear to hear it, let him hear. But he'd then turn around and say, take heed to what you hear. So you need to be careful of what you're hearing out there in the world today, whether it be uh, strange doctrines or the non-truths that Brother Charles was mentioning yesterday that are not aligned with the Word of God. So keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, this morning, if the Lord be my help, I want to I want to tell you a story about an experience I had. And if I can get through it, it's hard because I still get chills thinking about it. Because just getting through it was a very uh, the only at the end of the story you'll you'll kind of you'll be able to maybe relate a little bit, but. Only God can do what I, what I went through. And so uh, I want to share that this morning. And then, uh, I, and again, as I'm explaining this, I want y'all to see where I'm heading because I don't want to get lost. Uh, I don't want to lose anybody in this morning as I'm trying to get through this. But then I want to share some, script, some scriptures uh, about concerning obedience and uh, then kind of pair it back to some uh, the comments that I made yesterday morning about doing it God's way. Uh, so uh, with that, I'll try to tell the story. Now, most of y'all, some of y'all remember when I was here in college at, at the University of Alabama and I attended church here uh, every now and then and uh, appreciated the, having a church to come to while you're in college. Uh, for those that are young and are thinking about going off to college, I encourage you to find a church that is near that college that you are willing to go to. Uh, you will appreciate it more later in life than you probably will at the time. 
uh, because uh, maybe you know you're trying to make good you're trying to make good decisions and the right decision I would tell you a, a good and right decision is make sure you are in a college near a church Amen. and that uh, maybe your parents will uh, bug the pastor and ask was I really at church that day um, yeah that call happened to Comber too I think um, so when I was in school uh, I had the opportunity, uh, I, well, this actually goes all the way back to high school, so this is, I want to go back 17 years. Uh, I was working at a golf course, and I was working a tournament, and I met a guy there that happened to work with the company I went out to work for, and he encouraged me, he said, hey, when you get down there, get on with the co-op, uh, uh, in the co-op group, and uh, he says, it'll be a good thing, you'll be able to help pay your way through college, and uh, he's like, you know, he just, you know, and we just met in passing, he teed off on the first hole, and I, I never saw him again until about a year and a half later. Uh, I did exactly what he suggested, and I went to the co-op, uh, to the Career Center here at the University of Alabama, and uh, I got an interview with a Southern company, and lo and behold, in my eight-panel interview, I walk through the door, and there the guy is. And he shakes my hand and says, it's good to see you again, Mr. Kitchens. And you're talking about just like, whoa, you know, just kind of like, you know, and immediately the pain of the interview, the pain of just any thought thing that I had prepared that day just immediately just kind of fell by. And I was successful and God was able to work for the company throughout college and I was able to pay for school. And as and looking back on, on that, uh, I, you know, me and Brother Tim were talking some this morning. I can look back and see certain places where things happen. I didn't know at the time what were going on, but it's like God was me, leading me place to place. Okay. And you can look back and see those things. And it's good. And your hindsight is 2020. So when you look back, you can say, yeah, I can see where God worked there and where God was working there. But it's a little different to see it in real time. So fast forward a couple of years, I was working out of school and I got a job out of school traveling for about 60 to 70 percent of the year. I was on the road. And about this time, I got very interested in my wife and uh I kind of started thinking, like, I really want to get off the road. This is getting to be too much. I'm wanting to settle down, maybe potentially get married. Y'all kind of know the rest of that story. And um, at the time, I remembered asking my, my supervisor at the time, I said, hey, there's a church meeting coming up, and uh, I, I really, I really want to make sure that I, I'm there for that meeting, and I really don't want to be on the road during that time. And most meetings are Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's kind of unheard of for a salaried employee to ask off for a weekend, but I was trying my best. And so Elder Mike Ivey in November, I mean in April of 2012, was preaching in the meeting at Zion Rest back home. And I remember asking, I had asked off months in advance. This was not unheard of. And I left work that day saying, all right, I'm going to be gone all weekend. You know, I, you know, this, that, and the other. I was like... I'll see you Monday. Well, right in the middle of service, my phone starts going off, and I have a voicemail. It says, uh, we need you to leave at 6 o'clock in the morning, going to Atlanta, yada, yada, yada. If you do, are not at the office at 6 o'clock in the morning, there are going to be consequences. Great. Talk to my dad. He's like, don't get fired. You know, you're young. You need a job, this, that, and the other. I was like, okay. He's like, don't worry. We'll be okay this weekend at the church. But I was, I'm telling you, I was mad. I, I don't know, yeah, I was mad. I, I don't know any other way to say it. I was mad. 
I mean, I'm driving home that night just thinking, we're going to get to Atlanta and we're not going to work. We're not going to work at all. And I knew we weren't. I got to Atlanta the next morning, roughly about 10.30 or so, or 11 uh, uh, Eastern time. And of course, I knew we were not going to work because what I was doing at the time just wasn't going to happen. I did crossword puzzles for three days. And I got home on Tuesday morning. We got back home Monday night, went to work to the office on Tuesday morning. And I went straight, I mean, beeline, boom, straight to my supervisor's office. And I said, you made me miss a meeting. And you, you knew we weren't going to be able to work. And he's like, well, such is life. And I, oh, just like rage is coming in me at this point. I'm like, don't get fired, Derek. Don't get fired. And I'm like, though I'm trying to keep in check, you know, making sure that, you know, one, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Amen. Philippians 4, okay? In everything. I was mad. And so I just knew at the time, I felt like I was called to preach. I spoke a lot here at the church when I was in college. But even then, during that time, I, I didn't, the weight wasn't nearly there as it was when I got out of school and other things. And, and the burden was put more on me in a, in a much different way. And I knew that if I was going to preach, that I, I could, was not going to be able to travel 60, 70% of the year, let alone try to preach the gospel to God's people. And I went home that night and I prayed. Now, what I'm about to tell you is not that, well, if I just go do what Brother Derek did, then all of a sudden something's going to happen. Don't think this. This was my experience, okay? Yours will be different. Your race is different that you're, going, that you're running. But this is what happened to me. I went home that night, and I, I shut the TV off, all the lights off except for like my little lamp that I had in my living room at the time. And I prayed. I think I prayed for five hours until I fell asleep on my floor on the carpet. Until I was exhausted. And unless you've had that experience where you just feel like it's not, it's not a, like a, a pre-planned prayer. It's not like we're saying, Lord, thank, me for, thank you for this food. Thank you for this day. Thank you. It's not that kind of prayer. I'm having a conversation with God. And I, I fell asleep and I woke up the next morning by, you know, I didn't set an alarm or anything, but I didn't make it to work. And when I got to the office, some, some other things happened, but I remember sitting down at my computer and I had one, only one email in my inbox and it said job posting notification. And I clicked on it and I read the job description and if you could have taken my resume at the time and a job description, identical. I was like, wow, okay. Amen. So I went and talked to somebody and gave me some advice. And he said, well, the first thing you need to do is you need to call the hiring manager, go set up a time to meet with them and go talk with them. And that'll help you in the event that you get an interview or something like that. I said, okay, now catch this. I called the hiring manager. I said, hey, I see you have a job posted. I'd like to come talk to you about it. When's a good time? He says, job posting? I said, yeah, the, uh, this, uh, the heat rate engineer job that's there, you know, it's a data analytics job. And they said, he's like, yeah. He's like, you see that job posting? I said, yeah, I, I've got an email about it right here in my inbox. He says, well, we were planning to post that job, but it's not been posted yet. 
Only God can do that kind of thing. I didn't have a care in the world. As soon as he told me that he had not posted it, that nobody was supposed to be able to see it. But I could see it. God is God. And I was successful. I've been blessed now for the last uh, 10 years to be in a position to where I've been able to travel to help preach the gospel of God. But see, that was my experience where I saw God show up and he showed out. And I've watched over the last 10 years as he's kind of helped me go from place to place. I've changed positions since all that time. But he's, he's still preserved the one thing that I wanted, and that was to be able to preach the gospel. Amen. And uh, I'm very thankful for that. And uh, you're saying, well, Brother Derek, may, I haven't necessarily experienced personally something similar to that in my life. Maybe you haven't, but I pray that you will. I pray that God will show up and show out in your life in some way. Maybe it's in the person that you're dating. Maybe it's in the person that you end up marrying. Maybe it's in in the children that you may have. Maybe it's just in the fellowship that you have here as a congregation and as a church and gathering together to worship week after week. I hope God will always continue to show up and show out in all of your lives. I don't think that we pray for that near as often as we should. And... The subject that I have on my mind, that I, and I wanted to begin with that story, but the subject that is on my mind this morning is obedience. God demands obedience. Now, uh, Brother Shannon was talking yesterday about the man that, as Joshua and the armies of Israel were headed over to Jericho, they saw the man, the man that was there, and they, he asked him, are you for us or against us? And... Uh, If you continue the story in thinking about uh, as they went over to Jericho, as they marched around it, you know, seven days and, of course, on the seventh day, etc. But there was one commandment that was given is that they were not to take anything. And there was a man and I'm I'm not going to remember his name off the top of my head. Bless my, you know, sorry. But they ended up when they went to into the next battle of Ai, they failed the first time because they didn't do it God's way. They didn't obey God. And then they found out who had stole it. And they said, you go take this man, take him out of the camps of Israel, and you kill him and his family. And they did. And then, of course, as they went into the battle of Ai, they were victorious. There is something to doing it God's way. Amen. And in your life, I, I want to start out this morning this way as we begin to talk about obedience. Each and every one of you, as, we, as Brother Shannon talked about this race that we're running, each and every one of you are going to face a battle. In fact, I was talking with Brother uh, Brother Crawford last, last night as, as we were talking about marriage and children and things. Uh, I remember an old sermon elder Sonny Piles used to preach called Avoid, Adapt, and Adjust. And he always spent time on avoiding, but he would at the end of it kind of get on adjust and adapt a little bit. But for the most part, he spent talking about avoid. And I, I promise you, a lot of your life will be a series of things you need to avoid, a whole lot of adjustments and, and, and adaptations that you, will, that you will have in your life. And each one is a little battle that, that you will face. Um, many of you were maybe somewhat in your early months of marriage or years of marriage, and uh, I, we're coming up on eight years and just seven uh, Ooh, I better get this right, 17 days, and uh, make sure I don't forget that. And I can say this, that I'm, I, am, I, am, I have drawn closer and closer and closer to my wife than f- since the first day we, 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 uh, when we were married. 
and I can only think that it gets better like they say you know I'm glad it doesn't age like milk it ages maybe like wine <laughs> and uh uh, but as uh, but I can tell you, you will face battles. You may you may face battles in your careers. You may face battles in your in your marriages or raising children. Uh, but battles are inevitably going to come. Uh, I think it would pair very well to think about the things that Brother Charles was speaking about yesterday regarding patience. Not every battle has to be won instantaneously. Sometimes there's a lot of enduring that you have to have in, in many of the battles that you face. But I'm thankful that the scriptures give us a lot of things that we can do to help in each and every case. All we have to allow ourselves to do is to, one, read God's Word and study it and then actually attempt to do it. And I know that rolls off my tongue very easily, but it's a lot harder than we, we would probably want to admit. But over in Ephesians 6... Um, we, I mean, very common set of scriptures, put on the whole armor of God. Uh, uh, as I was talking to Elder Buddy last night, uh, um, I'm, I'm going to say a few things here in a moment, and I don't want y'all to think that I'm uh, belittling anything. I just want you to kind of understand probably the way, the gravity of, of what I'm saying now versus maybe the way I would read this scripture as a child. In verse 10 of uh, Ephesians 6, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand." Now, verse 12 kind of rolls off the tongue kind of like a fairy tale. For we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and principalities and against, uh, uh, against powers and against rulers of the darkness of this world. And it sounds kind of very mystical and make-believe-ish, but I can't stress to you how real it is. Another short story. Several years ago when I was, this was about 2013 or 14 time for 13 time frame. I was with some friends, and I think it was in around Thanksgiving time of 13, and we were doing like a Friendsgiving kind of thing, uh, where friends just get together and do some Thanksgiving meals. And uh, I was there, and I was talking about uh, preaching and speaking, and I was talking to some of my buddies and who were asking me questions, and they were curious, but there just happened to be another friend there that didn't enjoy the conversation near as much as I was enjoying the conversation. And... I never really felt this before in my life, but uh, I truly, as, as we continue to talk, he, there was such a rage and an excitement in this, in this man to where me and Sammy looked at each other and I was like, we need to leave. And we were driving, uh, I was driving her back to her car that night so that she could go back to her, to her dorm at Montebello. And... I told her, I said, I felt like there was something very demonic in that place tonight. I said, I've, I've never really felt that before. I said, but he calls me, from that point in time, I, I read the scripture very differently because I now have experience. And I personally experienced it. And I found out about six months later that young man took his life, my age. I'm 34 now. At that, that time, we were about 27. It is a very real thing, and you need to be on guard. The battles that you face, I mean, 
I mean, Satan only needs a little gap to get in and to, to plant his seed for just a minute to start sowing discord amongst husband and wife, against brother and sister in the church, against co-worker and co-worker. And the Lord has given us all, I mean, He's given us tools upon tools in His Word of how we're to love in our homes, how we're to raise our children, how we're to work in society. I am to work every single day as I'm working under the Lord. And I'll promise you, if you work every day as you're working under the Lord, you may find yourself feeling like you don't even have to, you're not even working for a manager or a supervisor because you feel like as long as I'm pleasing the Lord in everything I'm doing, He's just taking care of all the problems. Battles that you face. Having done all to stand. I think we may not always put as much emphasis on that as, as much as I would prefer us to. But, uh, you, know, you know, and again, kind of pairing with Brother Shannon as he talked about running the race yesterday. Uh, I was, uh, you know, in order to run that race, you got to have your head in the game. And I remember... Levi this week, we were, it was Friday night playing T-ball, and I know he's little, he's four, but he's four and he's out there and he's, he's the coach, they've done a really good job of coaching, but for, out of nowhere, he just starts, and y'all parents know what I'm about to do, start playing in that dirt. <laughs> I'm like, Levi, get your head in the game. He's like, he's like, I was like, watch the ball, and he's okay, now he's back watching the ball. And I would tell you all that even in circumstances of life, get your head in the game. You gotta, we talked yesterday morning about being vigilant, about being sober, about it be having your head on a swivel and being watchful for the evils that are out there in the world because the Lord has called us to do all to stand. In other words, we need to make sure that we're geared up, we're armored up and ready to go into battle. And that, way, and that takes preparation. And one of the things here that is, uh, of, of the armor of God, I'm not going to go read it, but one of them is that shotting your feet with the preparation of the gospel. And I would encourage you all that if you do not read your Bible on a daily basis, at least try to get to reading a one, even if it's one scripture, read one scripture a day. Write it on your mirror. You can take expo markers that you can just wipe off. It's like a white erase board or buy you a, an erase board and just put scriptures around your house. Put it on a sticky note and start learning the scriptures and memorizing them so that why? When you commit the word of God to your heart and you're faced in a battle, you got something to pull from. And it's ready. It's right there, ready for you to go with it. When I start to have doubt in my life, trust in the Lord with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind. And lean not, lean not to thine own understanding. I always can quote that verse. Why? Because I don't want to trust myself in my own natural fleshly brain. I need to trust God and His Word and what He tells me to do. Amen. Even at times when I feel like that I'm not doing right by my children, I've got to, or in the sense that sometimes my dad, he'll tell you this. He says, sometimes Derek, you're a little gruff. And I'm like, Charles, I know you got grandkids, but you're getting a little soft in your later years, you know? Because I remember how gruff he was when I was young. And I'm like, the Lord told me to make sure I'm the head, the leader. I got to make sure that I'm doing that. Not a dictator, not a tyrant. Right. There's a lot of love. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. But I'm to do it His way. Right. And the Lord demands obedience. Amen. So in us today, I encourage you, read the, read the Word of God and, and commit it to your heart. Commit it to your memory. All right, so with the time that is remaining this morning, I want to cover, see if I'm going to, to cover a lot of ground, so y'all bear with me. Get geared up. Here we go. 1 Samuel chapter 15. Obedience. 
I want to talk about two things in lines with the battles that we're facing and, and lining it with obedience. I want to speak about Saul's experience. King Saul, before the kingdom was passed and given over to David, I want to talk about Saul's experience, but then I also want to speak to David's experience. Uh, David knew something that, that Saul didn't, uh, but uh, it, it, I hope it, if, it, if the Lord be my help, I can pair this together this morning. Now, Samuel, uh, sorry, Saul was given a commandment of God. Let's read 1 Samuel 15, verse 3. It says, Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman and infant and suckling and ox and sheep and camel and ass. It's a pretty good list. And I have seen, he gives it every single one. He's like, this is what you're to go do, Saul. Saul's sitting there thinking, okay, I'll go do that. And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in, and, and to lay them and 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And he went. Verse 9, but Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and of the lamb and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refuge they that they destroyed utterly now simple question this is not a test did Saul do what God said no right I'm learning even a little bit as a parent because I'm even though he's four I know I'm, I'm working and for you parents that have older children I know it's going you know it's harder but you want your children to listen and to do what you ask them to do. I can still remember dad telling me when I was a child, take out the trash. Okay, dad. Click. About five minutes later. Hey, son, I said take out the trash. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm going to get it in a minute. Click. And by the third time, third time, that dad had a rule, three strikes you out. That was my rule. Probably adopted that rule with my children a little bit. Uh, and he came over there and pow! Did you not hear me tell you to take out the trash? Well, I heard you and I was, I'm going to do it. He's like, I wanted you to do it when I told you to do it. Right. Well, you know what? When God tells us in his word to do something, he wants us to do it. Amen. And he didn't ask us to do it in our time. He said to do it in his time. Right. So... Let's fast forward and listen to some of the excuses. See, now when it comes to obedience in our lives and the battles we face, anybody here make excuses? Everybody, everybody, nobody wants to raise their hand and admit it? You don't have to, I know. Because I make excuses. Uh, anyways, and when we make excuses immediately, that's like our knee-jerk reaction. When we know what we're supposed to do, and you can see it in the tenderness of a child, yeah, but uh, excuse, right? When you get when you're getting onto them, and they're like, "I asked you this, well, but this, that, and the other." Well, Samuel goes out to Saul and says, and Samuel said, verse fourteen, "What meaneth this? The bleeding of the sheep, and the and in my ears, and the lowing of the uh, the oxen which I hear." And Saul said, "They have brought them from Amalek, from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord." Oh, we had good intentions, but that's not what the Lord said to do. They said, well, we've spared the best for the sacrifice of the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. And Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. Let's jump to verse 20. And Saul said, after, Saul, after Samuel basically reminded Saul and also told uh, Saul what the Lord had said to him, he says, Yea, Lord, 
Yea, it says, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone the way of the and have gone the way the Lord sent me and have brought Agog the king of Amalek and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But now listen. But the people took of the spoil. Oh, so now it's the people did it. Oh goodness. Even as pastors, brother, brother Tim, I, I would think. I, and again, I, I'm not pastored a church by myself yet. But I have to I have this weird feeling in my heart that if 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 we were as pastors always blaming the people and we're the ones that are supposed to be the shepherd of the sheep, right. we're the ones supposed to lead, be leading the church to greener and pastors, right? right. But we're, in other words, the example set by Saul is not for us to Lord, look at this people you gave me to pastor. But that's what he that's kind of easy. But the people did it. It's, it's their fault. Right. Well. But the people took of the spoil and the sheep of the oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly stored to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. The Lord demands obedience. We know the rest of the story. And uh, basically, because it says in verse 23, because the Lord has, uh, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And Samuel and Saul says unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. All right. Let's see if I can get through this. There are people today that shout and holler and cry their opinions louder than the rest, whether that's on social media, whether it's in the news, or whatever. And we have a choice to make as God's people. We can either listen and fear the people, or we can obey God. And I don't know that I want to get too specific this morning, but I want to encourage you, and I have seen the effects of it in my own personal life, that the Lord has called us to be holy. Be ye holy, for I am holy. He's asked us to obey Him in everything that we do. And I would tell you personally that when you hear... I mean, I'm not asking you to go out and express every single opinion that you have according to the Word of God and take this whole, you know... Every time you see something on Facebook, comment on it. I see a lot of comments on Facebook, Instagram, everything, everywhere, all the time. And you'll probably, if you looked at my profile, I don't post very much. You know what? The Lord also said, be swift to hear and slow to speak. Everybody might not care about what my opinion is. My encouragement to you is... They are going to go their way. We need to stay the course and run our race and do it God's way. Amen. You're saying, well, that's hard. That's, that's, that, that's easier said than done, Brother Derek. I agree, but I'm begging God's people everywhere I go. I'm begging you to try it. Amen. Just try it and see how the Lord can abundantly bless you. In the next, uh, I'm, I'm going to skip over some points. So after Samuel uh, goes out and basically they, he goes to Jesse's house, he sees all the brothers of David, all the sons of Jesse, and he's wait, you know, the, the Lord has sent him there, and he's saying, Do you have another? Is there another son? Well, there's David. He's out, you know, he's tending the sheep. 
And he's like, go get him. He's got to be the one. Go get him. And sure enough, he was the one that was an anointed king. Verse 12, 1 Samuel 16, he says, And he sent and brought him, and now he was ruddy and withal and a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And so then we have David play, ends up playing the harp for Saul as he's, you know, as he's afflicted and sad of what he's, of what he's done. And then now we go on to the battle, which is a very common story for all of us, is when David faces Goliath. Now, I don't have time this morning to cover all that I would love to cover, but I'm going to try my best to summarize it. So Goliath, now in this valley that they were in, Goliath would, would come out, and basically this valley is you had a, a, a stretch of flat land in between in this valley, and on one hillside you had the Philistines, and on the other side you had the armies of Israel. And Goliath would march out every single day. For, and I think he believe, I believe if I've read this correctly, he did this for like some odd 40 days where he was crying out to the armies of Israel, of Israel saying, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And he did this morning and evening, day after day. And if you had never been in a place where there's a valley, I know I've been to... Uh, Yosemite, where it's a valley and two uh, very, you know, you got El Capitan on one side and Dome Rock on the other side. And I mean, there's an echo in that place. And if you can imagine this Philistine is just shouting this at the armies of Israel day after day and morning and night uh, and just, defy, you know, I defy the armies of Israel. But I want you to catch what David says. David goes out, Jesse sends David out to his brothers that were out on the, uh, on the front line fighting. And he's asking them to take him some, them some food and some bread and get a report for the army. And so uh, let's see if I can speak this. Uh, let's pick this up in verse 26 of 1 Samuel 17. What's well, verse 25? And the men of Israel said, have you, have you seen this man that has come up surely to defy Israel? Is, is he... To defy Israel is he come up, and it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches, and he will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy, catch the difference, defy the armies of the living God? It's not just the armies of Israel. Israel was the, in David, he knew who the God of Israel was. And so he knew that the armies represented the army of God. And so David ends up speaking to his brethren. Uh, and of course, uh, let's just grab it. Verse 28, 29. We'll keep going. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto, uh, spake unto the men. And, Eli and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why camest thou down hither? Or why did you come, David? And with whom hast thou left these few sheep in the wilderness? In other words, why'd you come? Why'd you leave the sheep? I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause here? That this man would defy the armies of God? And the main point that I want to gather out of this is the next thing is you're going to see David could be convicted and want to go into battle and fight this giant. Saul makes fun of him, says, Dad, thou art but a youth. And he a man, he's been a man of war from his youth up. You, that, imagine taking um, 
Justin Bieber to go face Justin Bieber like 15 years ago. Um, anyways, to face like a Navy SEAL, okay? Let's put that into perspective. This is kind of the, the, the comparison. For thou, you're but a youth, and this man is a man of war. In other words, he was brought up to war. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And he, when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, will, he will deliver me. I love the confidence in this. If you don't get the picture of the confidence that even David in his obedience to God, even while he was keeping his father's sheep, knew that no matter the, the same God that preserved me, that kept me, will keep me in that day too. Right. Obedience. Obedience can build your confidence in doing it. And I would say, doing it God's way. Try it. You're going to, I promise you, take my experience and, and let my encouragement come to you that try it. It's going to help. It's going to be a great blessing to you. As you go through battles in your life, do it God's way. Stay the course. Run your race with patience. And then, Think about what David says next. Saul says, all right, you're going to do it. David's going to go out and fight. So what does he do? He brings him Saul's armor. And he puts it on. He girded his sword upon his armor. And he essayed to go. For he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these. For I have not proved them. And David took them off. When battles come your way and you're trying to obey the voice of God, there are going to be people that come to you, hey, I know how to fix your problem. What happens to most of us when something comes up in our life? What do we do? We call our friends. We're looking for that place of comfort and security. To, to, and to say, I've, say I've had something happen to me that, that I'm angry and bitter about. What do I do? I'm try, I'd go try, find a friend that says, yeah, justify my bitterness. Justify my hatred. We're all guilty of that. We get, on, we get on social media. We'll grieve out our grievances. And we love reading those comments. Yeah, you tell them. But that's, what, that's in our nature to do that. Our nature is basically we'll go and we'll read. We'll, we'll tune into. Uh, talk shows. We'll read Dear Abby letters. Good gracious. Um, if y'all don't know what Dear Abby is, that's, that's the thing in the newspaper. It still exists in certain parts. Okay. And that's what we'll do. We'll go and find help in all of the wrong places. And, but that, but when, and when we're facing those battles, I want to encourage you, don't Use weapons that you haven't proved. Somebody comes, you know, you're facing an issue, you're facing a problem, somebody comes into your ear and tells you, well, this is what you need to do. And then you go do it. And then something else happens. Some, another domino falls and something else bad happens. And your only thought to yourself is, well, it seemed like a good idea at the time. A lot of my experiences in life, well, it seemed like a good idea at the time. And, you know, the Lord, the Lord knocks you down and you have to pick yourself back up. I encourage you, do it God's way. Prove the Word of God. Right. Prove the Word of God. I'm not saying to tempt the Lord. I'm not saying that. Right. I'm saying 
take God's Word and use it to your benefit and to your advantage. When a problem comes, Brother Charles mentioned this yesterday, I don't go read the next best, we, we bought, oh, this is funny. Somebody told us a book to go read about babies, all about babies. I, we read it and we were like, that didn't help. Didn't. Our baby was different. Jordan's different than Levi. People used to read, you know, was it chicken soup for the teenage soul or whatever it else is. And all these self-help books that are out there, everybody will try to tell you a way. Politicians will tell you, no offense to those that are in political office, but you will, I mean, celebrities. I don't know where and why we got to such a place where we're taking spiritual, ethical, and whatever other type of advice from celebrities. I don't know how we got there, but we did. David says, for he had not proved it. He he says, I have not proved them. And David took them off. But what did he do? He went down to the brook. He got got five smooth songs in his sling. And we know the story. But he went and took the same things that the Lord preserved him with all those other times. He just went down and continued to allow the Lord to be the leader in his life. My encouragement to you all this morning is that we would begin to obey the Word of God and the only way we're going to be able to obey it is if we know what's in it. Over there is where we started and we'll we'll conclude this way back in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, verse 13, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand, having your loins girt about with truth, having your own the breastplate of, the right, of righteousness, that is the righteousness of our Lord. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, having have, uh, above all taking the shield of faith. This is where we struggle. Brother Charles read to us over there in Hebrews chapter five, verse Hebrews chapter eleven, verse five, yesterday. For without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and a rewarder of him that diligently seek him. Take upon you the shield of faith, that you may be able to what? Quench the fiery darts of the wicked. The one thing that we struggle with is we love to walk by sight, and the Word of God tells us we're to walk by faith. And not by sight. We love trusting our own judgment and our own analysis of everything. And we put our faith and we put our trust in our own abilities. And my encouragement to you is just to obey God's word. And what does it mean? That means to take up that shield of faith and despite what you naturally can see, just do it His way. You may not know what the outcome is going to be. Still do it His way. We walk for we walk by faith and not by sight. That we may be able to, it says, take upon you the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. You know what's great is me and Brother Tim were talking, well, he's made a comment this morning, he may not remember it, but I think sometimes we don't understand and the one reason we struggle with this We struggle in obedience. We struggle doing it God's way because we don't really understand the God that we worship. My encouragement to God's people 
If you want to find uh, encouragement and confidence in obeying God's Word and trusting God's Word and being able to prove God's Word and test it and use it throughout your daily life, I want to encourage you to learn about who God is. Scripturally, I could go to many places. But I have uh, years ago, I, and I would say this, I, I don't want to say Christianity as a whole, but I would say in popular religious ways, we have dumbed God down to this idea that He's just love. And I'm telling you, He's so much more than just love. We sing about Him in some of our songs. One of my personal favorites, God has been my refuge daily. He's our refuge and He's our hiding place. And in thinking about the, the shield of faith, that, excuse me, the shield of faith that we must take so that we can quench those fiery darts, He's also our high tower, the Bible describes for us. All right. You know what he you know what the purpose of that high tower is? It's so that he's the one looking out for the danger. I don't have to worry about the danger that's coming because I'm putting my faith, my hope, and my trust in him. Him to call out the warnings, then for and for me to heed the warnings. And I tell you, if we would just learn more about who our God is, we, we, we sing about Him, that He is our rock, that He is our sure foundation, that we would be unmovable and steadfast, founded on that rock. Well, you know how you get there? Read about it. Learn about it. Be willing to take a go against the grain. One of my favorite uh, quotes, and we'll end with this. I remember Elder Sonny Piles when he came back in 2005 to preach in the area and we were having dinner at my Aunt Opal's house, plus, you know, who recently passed away. And uh, he looks at me and this may be a very common saying. Many people may have heard me say this before. But he says, following the path of least resistance has caused rivers and people to become crooked. Spiritually, mentally, and physically. We are called to not go the way of the world, but to go against the grain and against the way of the world. We're to go against the path of least resistance. And for some of us, it's hard to do sometimes, but the Lord has promised us blessing upon blessing if we will just do it His way. I hope this has been good for you all this morning. It has been a blessed meeting. I want to thank you all again for having us. And I hope to be able to come here again and see you all that y'all have grown more together than you already are. It is blessing. It really is a blessing to see you. You are blessed. And I hope that you will be blessed for years upon years and until the day of the Lord comes back. God bless you all.